Welcome to the Learning Shared Podcast. Hello, my name is Alan Wood and I'm your host. Thanks very much for listening. So Learning Shared is a space for anyone with an interest in supporting the needs of vulnerable learners in our society, including those with special educational needs and disabilities. We'll be hearing from and talking with a wide range of colleagues and stakeholders, including teachers, specialist practitioners, school leaders, researchers, as well as parents and carers. They'll be sharing creative, inspiring ideas, effective practice and things they've learned along their journey. With that in mind, please get in touch if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. You can visit us at www.learningshared.org or tweet us at underscore learning shared. The Learning Shared podcast is brought to you by Evidence for Learning and the EFL Send community. This is a growing community of teachers, practitioners, school leaders, researchers and academics that support children, young people and adults with special educational needs and disabilities, or indeed any form of additional learning needs. You can find out more about the EFL Send community and Evidence for Learning at www.evidenceforlearning.net. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this next edition of the Recovery Curriculum podcast series. I'm Barry Carpenter, and today my guest is Amanda Mordi, OBE. Amanda is principal of both Forest Oak and Merstone schools in the borough of Solihull. Amanda has had a devoted career to the field of special educational needs originally trained as a teacher of children with learning difficulties in the days when you could do such things, she has spent her career working in the field of special education. In fact, it was my pleasure to host Amanda at the school of which I was head teacher when she did her second teaching practice and appointed to the staff of that school in Warwickshire. Amanda has developed both schools, Forest Oak and Merstone to be schools that really value their children and have a focus on the well-being. Merstone is a school for children with severe and profound and multiple learning difficulties. And in Forest Oak, the children have a background of moderate learning difficulties and complex needs. Across both schools, you will find pervasive autism in some of the children. There's been this major focus on well-being, which has led to the development of SMILE based on the five NHS well-being principles. Amanda, would you like to tell us a little bit by way of, of opening this podcast about some of the major well-being challenges you've had to deal with during the start of the pandemic and the lockdown period? Thank you, Barry. Um, yes, it's uh, as you say, our, our focus within the schools has had a very high focus around mental health and well-being for a number of years. Um, I think that equipped us well in this current climate, but it also meant that we'd got a lot of information about both our staff and our pupils in terms of those that were more vulnerable um, in, in relation to having mental health issues and potentially then to have issues during this lockdown. I think those of us that are blessed with not having 
particularly uh, mental health issues, are struggling at these times. Mm. So um, we were very well equipped to know which pupils and which of our staff and our community actually struggled with their mental health. And so we were able to use that as part of our process of looking at who was most vulnerable in this climate. Um, and that has allowed us to put some interventions in place and to support those families and also the pupils and staff. Great. Well, on that note, Amanda, I'd like to invite you to present for a smile, a well-being approach, a route to recovery. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, as I said earlier, um, we, you know, were in a position where we we knew that our community was going to um, struggle through some aspects of what was going on currently. Um, you know, we're in a period of enormous change and uncertainty um, across our community, not just our pupils, but our staff and our parents as well. And there's a great deal of sense of loss. And, and trauma in what's going on at the moment. Um, there's no end to this at the moment. Whereas normally when you're doing a piece of work with a youngster, you can see the start, the middle and the end at the moment there isn't. Um, and the think piece that yourself and, you, and, uh, uh, and your son did, uh, the loss and recovery think piece, um, really identified with us. It resonated with us in terms of the challenges that pupils we're going to face on their return, but also our whole community, so the staff as well. Um, that sense of anxiety in the quote from your, from your piece about anxiety is a cruel companion. Um, it eats away at the positive mental health of the child and can cause a deterioration in their overall well-being. The anxious child is not a learning child. Um, and that is the basis of our um, discussions in this, um, this period of change in terms of what would we be offering as our curriculum for children who have been in school throughout the, the lockdown period because they are vulnerable or they've got um, uh, key worker parents, but also for when we start to phase in new children. And so this recovery curriculum is, is not about uh, a curriculum that we deliver once. It's about a curriculum that is evolving and that we continue to deliver when children come back into our community and also deliver remotely so that we can support children in their homes as well. So there's a lot of information on your website, Evidence for Learning, and I would encourage people to go to that to look at the recovery curriculum pieces there. But, but our, our starting point was our duty was to support the well-being of our community so that we could then move forward and we were very well placed because um, in 2014, we carried out a research project um, within our school at Forest Oak um, with the local authority advisory team um, regarding mental and emotional health and well-being. And it was because we'd identified this as an issue for many of our pupils that we took part in this project. And the outcome of that was the ethos-based approach to supporting our school community with their mental health and well-being. And that's what SMILE is. So SMILE is, in essence, um, based on, the, as you said, the five areas for well-being of the NHS. So those for the NHS are Connect, Be Active, Take Notice, Keep Learning and Give to Others. So we started this process of looking at those and trying to use those as our tool to equip our community to be able to have better mental health. Um, and 
what we did was we felt that they were hard to remember. <laughs> so for my simple mind as well, I, I couldn't kind of remember all of those or remember which, uh, which meant which. So we actually created um, a more accessible um, uh, acronym, which is SMILE. And so SMILE is the, those five areas, but created in that, in that easy to remember way. So socialize is the S of SMILE and that links to the connect that the NHS um, use. Move is the be active from NHS. Interest is the take notice or be mindful. Learn is the keep learning and engage is giving to others. So um, hopefully that, that gave all our whole community something that was much easier to remember. And I have to say it's much easier for me to remember. So that's been, uh, that's been helpful <laughs> for me. And the pupils now can talk about that and the staff can. So uh, whereas if I ask them to quote me the NHS five areas for well-being, they, they often stumbled at number one or two. Uh, whereas now with the SMILE acronym, they can actually very easily uh, relate to that. So the principles behind that uh, approach is um, uh, there are five principles behind this project. Um, and as I said, this been, has been embedded in our schools since 2014. So the first one is about building emotional resilience for all. And that's about our whole community. So this is not an approach that was just developed for pupils. It was acknowledging that our whole community um, may struggle with their mental health and well-being at times. And so it's for staff, parents, governors, um, and we've involved all of those people throughout the process. And I think one of the things about emotional resilience is, is it's enabling people to understand that nobody can give us mental good mental health it's about us being able to actually do things for ourselves and that's a very powerful message for our community and so that hopefully builds people's resilience and being able to say I've got a toolbox I can go to the SMILE acronym and see what could I do today that will help me feel better so that might be taking a move activity it might go be going for a run or it might be um uh having a having a, um, some knitting doing some knitting or learning a new skill so there are a range of things you can do so the second principle was around promoting good mental health that leads to good life outcomes in your um, the work that you've been doing Barry you've very much focused on that you know uh, a child who is anxious will not be a learning child an adult who is anxious will not be presenting well in a classroom and not be able to support their pupils well in the classroom. And so it was very much about promoting that, saying, actually, if we can get this right, other things will improve for these young people throughout their lives. Third principle was about listening to each other. A very important message in schools and everywhere, isn't it, about listening to the child um, about a child having a very strong voice, particularly around how they're feeling and being able to um, own those feelings and think about what are we going to do about them um, rather than suppressing feelings and then mental health is deteriorated because you're suppressing those feelings. Um, fourth principle was about care, concern and respect for everyone within the community. And the final area was about kindness and gratitude. 
Um, so when I talk this through, I'll talk a little bit more about that. We, we talk about being caught being kind in the school. Um, so that's a, a, an aspect that the pupils are, are really strongly motivated by. Um, and I can talk about that a little bit later on. So those are the five principles that our SMILE um, ethos-based approach was based on. Um, there's some more information on our website and throughout these, um, these slides, you'll be able to see the references to the website. So what we did was we started to audit um, what, what we have got in place already. So this was in 2014. We looked at um, what, had we already, what were we already doing? So there was a lot of excellent practice across the school. Um, and also we were able to then audit, well, where are the gaps so that we could see where we needed to um, put some di different interventions or some different strategies in place for youngsters. So we talked to the pupils. We um, got ideas from them about what does socialise mean for them. Um, and we were able to look at current practice and what would we do next. Um, we were very fortunate to be able to work with um, Neil Walsh at Butterfly Print um, to be able to actually produce some fantastic resources. Um, and one of my students in year 10 was actually drawing the images that you can see on this slide. So, um, um, but for each of these areas, each of the um, areas of SMILE, we produced posters, we created ideas for people so that they were a go-to if a youngster was struggling, we could actually look at, well, which aspect would you like to do? So we might bring, give them the socialised one. What would you like to do? Would you like to talk to someone? Do you want to go and find some time to be with a friend? Or do you want to... And it was giving youngsters the tools to be able to, and the community, the tools to be able to say, this is what socialised looks like. Um, for me, um, who've, who've been working for a long time, and I'm in the older age bracket in terms of working, um, uh, you know, I, it was a new experience in terms of the sort of social networking that young people use. And it's being able to actually teach them the positive aspects of that, but also giving them the sort of e-safety guidance around um, not relying on just social networking to socialise, but actually doing face-to-face -face work. So we did, as part of our launch of it, we did lots of activities and we created um if you like, some artificial activities that were around socialised so we could show young people what they could do and how they could move forward and how they could use that as one of their tools. So moving on to move, um, obviously within a school setting, we had a huge range of things we were already doing. We had the PE curriculum well embedded. We had a lot of um, after school clubs that uh, were based on PE or movement. Um, but it's about allowing people to see that movement isn't the same for everybody. So I talked earlier about going for a run that might be very therapeutic for some people and good for their mental health. For me, that would be terrible. Um, so um, it's about acknowledging actually we can do lots of different things with exercise so we do in some of our schools we've done um, things like um, uh, chair yoga <laughs> so you're not having to do lots of physical exercise because not all our pupils can so we were looking at well what can you do if you've got very small movements because you've got complex needs actually we could still do a game on your on your tray to to be moving a ball about and that's still movement 
or is your physio movement or is swimming movement? So it's about finding the right thing for the youngster um, and allowing them to tell us what they wanted to do. We did expand what we were offering based on what people were telling us. Um, so we, we put some extra equipment outside for the young people because they told us what they wanted. Um, and we brought in some sports coaches. We did a range of things that helped the young people. We also brought in a yoga uh, teacher who, who did a session after school once a week for the staff. So again, to be able to facilitate staff to be able to do that after a busy day, you often, by the time you get home, you don't want to go to that yoga session at eight o'clock at night because you've, 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 you've got other things you need to prioritise. So we were doing it at the end of the day, give them an hour and then they could go home and do, do the rest of their evening. So things like that were important. But as I say, it's again acknowledging with each member of our community, move for you will be different than move for me. And whatever you do, we find that toolbox for you that's going to be the most appropriate for you. So moving on to interest, um, this was, uh, we did a lot of training and support for staff about uh, being mindfulness activities a number of our staff have the, done the .B course, which is um, about mindfulness, and it's um, really improved the practice across the school. And again, it's giving staff the um, ability to say it's okay to stop and just, just think about something or just reflect on something. So if it's snowing outside, go outside and, and be mindful about the snow, feel it, touch it, um, or just look out of the window at it. Don't, don't say to the pupils, no, you're meant to be doing your maths now. Don't look out of the window because it's snowing. Actually allow them to have that time to, to experience it. So we do in each of our classes, each day we have a mindfulness activity um, and that's uh, sort of done at the beginning of the day or after lunch or something else to, to be able to allow those youngsters to do it. Again, it's giving youngsters who might have challenging behaviour, those skills about breathing. Um, so we do a lot of work around um, when you're feeling like this, maybe highly anxious or agitated, what are the things that help you to calm? So we have things like happiness boxes or fiddle toys and those things that can help young people to refocus themselves. Um, and again, what that, that's just about giving them the skills in our community um, because the young people have learning disabilities. They don't necessarily have the skills to be able to just do things without us teaching them. Um, so we have to actually explicitly teach some of these things, whereas for you and I, we might be able to watch some, uh, uh, um, something and then be able to do our mindfulness breathing. For our youngsters, we had to repeat it, continue to do it on a daily basis so that they could learn it. But then we have youngsters now saying to us, I'm feeling anxious, I need to go and do some, I need to have some time out, I need to go to the chill room or I need to have some time to do my breathing, to focus on my breathing. And so that's really skilled the young people up in terms of what do I do to help myself when there's a situation that's causing me anxiety or, or, or my, my mental health is being affected by it. So moving on to learn, I guess in a school you'd say, well, we've got that cracked, haven't we? <laughs> um, it, is, um, it is the bread and butter of what we do. Um, but I think that one of the strong elements of this was about trying to teach our community that we can all learn together. 
So one of the elements of SMILE is that actually staff learn new skills alongside their pupils. So it's not about staff saying, I know everything, I'm going to come and show you how to do that. Um, if we set up a new club, for example, we, we set up some art clubs and actually staff went with pupils and my one skilled member of staff who was running it taught the teachers and the LSA, the support staff, as well as the children. And the children were able to see, oh, actually, I'm better at that than you. <laughs> and that's a really positive thing as well, isn't it? So, But it's about showing people that we're brave enough to try something new um, and it won't always go well all of the time but you know we can manage that so, um, so that's a really important element and uh, in schools we're always setting learning goals and supporting people throughout that anyway so that was a, a, a positive element of it and we looked at new things that we could offer in the curriculum for, for young people within that and then the final element of smile is engage and so that's the element of um, giving to others being kind, um, volunteering, giving something of yourself that um, to others, which actually then helps us to um, be part of our community and actually be a, a, a valuable contributor within that community. So we, I talked a, a little while ago about court being kind. So we have a court being kind token. So if a young person does something that is a, a kind act, we would actually fill that in and it goes into a, a box and at the end of the week um, one gets drawn out and the primary children win a, a prize from a box of, of prizes we have and the secondary pupils have a £5 gift voucher, which, is, um, which is, uh, is lovely for them. But we also included the staff in that. So I have a court being kind for the staff. Um, and so the um, staff can nominate each other, children can nominate staff, and they again go into a, a box and at the end of the week in our briefing we pull one out and they get a prize as well. <laughs> Probably not a, a bit more age-appropriate prize, but I won't go into chocolate and wine, but that's, that's the kind of prizes we go with. <laughs> um, so, but again, through our Duke of Edinburgh Award, we do a lot of volunteering work. We do a lot of things like um, pupils are peer mentors. So they're working with younger children or they're doing things like um, supporting other youngsters with their reading. Um, and that's been really, really important for us to say we as a community are a community that want to help each other. We're here to support each other. And then we're going to acknowledge that support and that kindness um, and hopefully that that encourages people to be, um, you know, to be to be the better version of themselves in terms of that. So those are the um, areas of smile. So, as I said, we we did an audit of what are we doing already. We then looked at what else we could do and we asked the whole community about that. And, and we we sort of enhanced our curriculum and our extracurricular activities in order to get a good balance of those those aspects across the the, the school week but the most important aspect of that is about us having a toolbox so it's about young people and adults in our community knowing that actually I can go to that toolbox and that it might be I want to do a lot of M this week so my movement is the thing that's going to make me feel better but next week it might be that engage is going to make me feel better so it's about using that and being able to, um, as a member of staff or a pupil or part of our community, to be able to say, this is what's going to make me feel better at the moment. 
So that was in 2014, and that's been embedded since then. So we're six years into it. But um, the impact of that was quite um, significant. I won't go into all the detail of the impact, but we did um, an evaluation of that, and it showed what an impact it had had on pupils in and our community. Um, examples of that would have been things like um, uh, staff being able to, um, and pupils being able to identify positive coping strategies more than negative ones. So rather than focusing on this is when I feel like this, I might self-harm or I, I might go and eat a bar of chocolate, which are not necessarily positive coping strategies. Um, they were able to name for themselves what were positive coping strategies, which was really powerful. We, Alongside that, we had an increase in our attendance. We had a reduction in our exclusions. Our behaviour profile became, um, became more positive, and that was linked in with a whole range of other activities we were doing alongside SMILE, like restorative practice and um, a range of other things. So what we wanted to do was think, was this just a forest oak effect? <laughs> So I think, uh, um, Mr. Carpenter, we, we talked to you, didn't we? I talked to mm -hmm. you about what was happening and we, we kind of said, you know, is this just, can we bottle this? Is it just um, only works because it's in Forest Oak? And it was really positive to have you to lead um, with Oxford Brooks University that kind of research project um, where we have five mainstream primary schools and five specialist provision schools um, to actually test out really whether the SMILE initiative and that ethos-based approach could be transferred into other settings. Um, so we're almost at the end of that two-year project. Um, obviously, the, the latest um, uh, sort of uh, uh, virus has actually caused a little bit of a blip in that. But at the end of year one of the project, um, we saw enormous benefits in the other schools. Um, and it was a very powerful end of year one conference that we were able to see the impact it had had on other schools and how they'd embedded it and how it was making a difference to their community. Um, so those, Barry led on that with Oxford Brooks University and Joe Egerton was a research consultant with that. And um, Izzy Gerard, who's my wellbeing lead in Forest Stoke, um, she's one of our senior staff and is very skilled, um, led on that project alongside myself within the school. So there's some more information on that in, in the... Uh, on the website as well. But what that's allowed us to do is feel that we can actually transfer that into other settings. So we're hoping that you'll be able to, reading this and, lead it and listening to what I'm saying, maybe see that there are elements of it that might work in your school that will improve the well-being of your community as well. So when we came to this current crisis, um, I'd got a toolbox that uh, I was able to think, actually, I'm faced with this unprecedented situation in our community. Um, I can turn to SMILE as my framework for the recovery curriculum. Um, and that was a really strong message that we were able to give to our community in that we've got the skills here, folks. We can do this. We've got uh, a whole range of resources that we've already got in place and that we can use this as part of our development of positive coping strategies and skills for our community at this time. Um, so, you know, the, the curriculum that we're putting in place and that we have been using and that we're embedding over the next um, 
six, 12 months, how long will it go on? I don't know, is, is very much about um, looking at SMILE, using that as the basis of some curriculum work and then looking at what other unique aspects of the curriculum we need to enhance in order to support the well-being of our community. So, so basically we turned to our SMILE framework and it allowed us to have a great starting point for the curriculum that we needed to put in place that is um, vital for staff, parents, as well as, as for our, our pupils within the community. So it'll be important that we build in these aspects to the day-to-day -day work when children come back into school. Um, there will be key well-being processes within the curriculum. So our, our timetable will have has specific times that we're going to do aspects of smile, aspects of um, uh, teaching, um, aspects of the uh, of the virus. Um, and what that means to us in terms of our day-to-day -day life. And so each individual, when they come back in and when they have been in our school, we've been able to look at their different needs. And we've done that through observing, talking, listening to staff, listening to um, the parents, the concerns that they're coming back with. And we've then been able to look at identifying for the, that young person the universal offer, but then also what needs to be specifically in place for each child. So hopefully that allows us to kind of signpost um, youngsters to, to other, um, other colleagues if needed. So the levels of support that we're able to offer, um, the basis is going to be our universal support. So it's the adapted curriculum, the support that our staff in school can be giving, the SMILE wellbeing activities, um, using journaling so that um, young people can actually log how they're feeling, as well as the anxieties, being able to look at what they're thankful for each day as well. And we use a lot of the butterfly print materials in that. Um, and I would uh, um, uh, really recommend those for you to go to um, that website to actually look at those. And again, we've got the smile box or bag, the happiness box or bag um, that young people are doing um, so that everybody can have that element of support. That work, we um, are at the early stages of looking at how we transfer that between home and school. So at the moment, we're doing that in school. We've obviously got a lot of activities we've been doing with um, pupils and transferring those into the home but we're looking now very much about how do we support the youngster from home into school with a transition pack so that they will be able to support themselves and the parents will be able to support them in their transfer back into school. So all pupils will get that but then as we listen to pupils and to parents we may then have a group of youngsters that we already knew about because of our work around SMILE um, that would need a bit more targeted support. So there are some children that are returning to school that before they come I already know I'm going to um, have some play therapy in place for them or I've got my learning mentor going to be working with them or the mental health first aiders will be working with them more intensely so that we can support that youngster. So we already know about some of those youngsters, but there will be some young people that return that prior to COVID-19 never had any particular mental health needs um, that were above 
the the mainstream. Um, but I believe that they will come back in and that there will be an increase in the number of young people who've got mental health and well-being needs. Um, and so we will target that support. And then the top part of that pyramid is about those young people who need specialist support and signposting outside of school. So my staff are very skilled. They're amazing at doing their jobs and they can support children very effectively. But there are always going to be some youngsters who are at the pointy end of their mental health needs, which means they need a referral to an educational psychologist or to um, SOLAR, which is our CAMS support within Solihull and Birmingham. And so that's the way we will work when children come back in school. Everybody will get that universal support. We will then target support for children that identify that with us. And then there might be some sort of higher targeted youngsters that need some support outside of our community. So how are we going to find out which those pupils are? <laughs> um, you know, they'll come back in. I know that um, I had one young person arrive yesterday and, um, you know, somebody that I thought would really struggle um, came in so happy to be back in school and had a great day and isn't really presenting at the moment as having any trauma around not being here for 11 weeks. Um, but way, the way we will find out about his feelings and anybody else in our community is about observing, listening, asking, checking in with him, checking in with other young people, using the journals so that he can express himself in whatever way, whether that's in a written form or in, in drawings, that he will be able to express how he's feeling. Some of these feelings and anxieties that people have are being suppressed at the moment, and they may come out in six months' time, in 12 months' time. So we will always be using these strategies to try and look at how we support the young people. In, in the schools that I work in, we do a wellbeing survey with pupils and staff every year. So when they come back in, we are doing that with them. So again, we've got a, um, it gives us a starting point. It identifies those that only need the universal support or those that need targeted support. Um, so we will continue to use that and, and use our, our very skilled staff to be able to listen and observe to, to the young people. Some of the things that um, we've tried to anticipate that young people will want to ask. Um, I think that some of the young people, when they come back into school, have been in their family homes, very cosseted, potentially with anxious family members around them and may not have wanted to ask about the virus because actually when we talk about the virus, we all get much more anxious. <laughs> and um, in, a, in a home environment, it might be mum or dad. Um, if you talk about the virus, they become very stressed themselves. And so pupils then don't talk about it. So what we want to do when they come into our safe environment in school is give them that safe space to actually say, you know, what's happened? How did I feel? You know, how has it changed? What's changed? How can I, how, how do we have to do things differently? You know, what is the virus is one thing that many of our children are saying. So we're using a lot of resources to support them with that. And from that observation and that questioning, we will be able to then look at those children that need in that pyramid to be on the targeted support rather than the universal support. Um, and my staff have got excellent skills in terms of being able to observe youngsters and, and find that out. And then we've got the support systems in place to try and 
try and signpost them elsewhere if that's required. So within our timetable and our curriculum, we've actually got uh, our SMILE activities um, uh, timetabled in. So we've got activities throughout the day that we'll look at um, each morning when they come in, they'll do a check-in. So checking in on their well-being, checking how they're feeling. We've got lots of visuals around, uh, you know, the emotions that they might be feeling. And then um, looking at having movement activities every day. Um, PE won't be the same as before. We won't be doing um, the same kind of PE. We won't be using the PE hall in the same way. We're going to try and do all of our... Uh, physical activity outside so let's hope the weather improves again um, so that we can do that because um, you know that contact sport is going to be much more difficult for us at the moment because we're being requested to keep two meters social distancing within our environments when we bring children back in order to to protect them and to protect my staff as well and um, so but we're building in movement activities um, every day we're doing a mindfulness activity every day and we're doing a sort of creative learn teaching craft or hobbies each day so whilst um, and again the the threading through that kindness tokens goes throughout the week whilst we've been working remotely my staff haven't all been in every day um, in school they've been providing remote learning for youngsters and they've been providing learning around the smile so some of the work that we've been sending home has been actually how are you going to socialize what movement are you going to do so we've been giving them ideas and tips um, for what they can do at home and tips to the parents as to what they could do as well but also for my staff what I've said is when in your day your working day where you're meant to be working remotely I want you to take an hour which is about your own well-being. So I've asked them to do something every day around that. Um, and also whilst we've been in school, we've been trying to give um, longer breaks for staff in order for them to have some time um, to, to do those things. So this is all built into the timetable. In addition to that, we've got the curriculum, um, which has got some explicit teaching around some aspects of um, the changed world that we live in. So um, on this on this uh, um, this screenshot here, you can see we've got some work around social distancing, the rules and the practices. And behind that will be well, why? You know, why do we have to do that? So we'll be teaching the children why we have to do it and what the benefits of doing that are. Um, then I won't go through all of these, but we've got things like the importance of good sleep and hygiene and practices and anxiety, what that does to the brain, being able to look at distraction and strategies, how we regulate ourselves. So there's a whole range of things. And then towards the end of that is about, you know, how do I communicate how I'm feeling and how do I get help from somebody if I'm not if I'm not coping well at that time? So built into the timetable, we have the smile well-being activities every day. And then we have these aspects of the curriculum in addition to some work around the core, core sort of um, literacy numeracy for young people uh, so that we can give them that routine back into their day. So the work around the universal offer is very much about smile 
Um, and it's about the using use of journals so young people in whatever way they can do it um, can exp express how they're feeling and also be able with staff prompt to be able to think about what what they want to be thank thankful about that day however difficult things are um, we we try and look at the end of the day about what we're thankful for as well as what we might be anxious about or worried about and that's something that we've done for many years within the school. At the end of staff meetings, might have been a really tricky staff meeting about a pupil behaviour. At the end of it, I'll go, OK, then let's tell us about before we go, we're going to talk about something we're thankful for today. What are we going out of the building remembering that's good as well as the things that have challenged us today? So those journals, we've got the butterfly print journals, but we've also got some sort of homemade versions for those youngsters who need um, need a more specific uh, approach. It might be that they're just going to do drawing or they're just going to use some symbols to point at um, in terms of how they're feeling. Um, but I would encourage you to look at the Butterfly Print website because there's an excellent range of resources on there, including the journals. And then the Smile Happiness Box or bag. We've always had those in school, but they've been for really our targeted pupils. So in the past, those youngsters who've presented as having high needs around mental health and well-being have had the opportunity to create a happiness box or a happiness bag. What we're doing with um, the pupils returning from this um, period of isolation where they've not been in school is we're offering that to every young person. And there are um, a couple of links there about uh, the principles behind, behind why we have those happiness boxes or bags and also um, some ideas as to how to create them there. So I'd encourage you to look at those two websites as well. The idea will be that those will go between home and school. Um, so something that might self-soothe a young person might be something that they have at home. or um, And so they will bring it in their bag or their box and then take it home. So again, if their mental health is being affected at home, they can go to their self-soothe or to their, their happiness box or bag. So we've been able to get some bags that they're going to design themselves. So they, um, we've got fabric paints and, and pens, so they'll actually create their own bag. And, and hopefully that will be something that really reassures them and supports them. Butterfly Print have a whole range of resources, starting from Key Stage 1 up to Key Stage 5. Um, it, it's really useful to go and look at those. I'm in a special school, so um, obviously the young people that I work with have um, additional needs. They have learning disabilities. So we've been able to look at it. And the Key Stage 1 book we actually use for Key Stage 1 and 2. Um, and, and the Key Stage 2 book we've used for our Key Stage 3. So don't feel you've got to stick with the exact one that's recommended on there. Just look at what's right for the young person. And for a young person, they might not want anything like that. They've just got an exercise book that they use or they just use, um, they, they've created their own. So it's really important. But Butterfly Print, in this time, day and age, we haven't got time to create it all ourselves and there are some amazing resources on there. Also on the butterfly print, you'll see some resources for Smile. So you'll be able to order those through that um, website as well if you think Smile is something that you would like to adopt within your own community. Um, and as I say, one of my pupils did all of the, um, the drawings for that. So they uh, um, were very proud of, of that aspect of it particularly. 
So the um, nine aspects of the recovery curriculum for us are we've got smile running through everything, but um, the aspects that we're going to teach our young people in addition to using our smile ethos as a, a support around um, the, the, the recovery and the, the route to recovery, if you like, for young people. Um, these are the nine areas that we're going to explicitly teach them. Again, because the youngsters that we've got with learning disabilities um, need us to explicitly teach some aspects rather than just absorbing it. You and I when people talk about social distancing, we understand what, well, hopefully we understand what two metres looks like. Um, we understand why we're doing it. We understand what 20 seconds in hand washing terms means, and we can implement all those. For our young people, we have to teach them it. And so we've set up a, um, a curriculum where we've got some advice and some support and some links for the teachers to be able to actually explicitly teach these aspects. So safety is a primary aspect of our, our recovery curriculum. How are we going to keep safe with social distancing, with hand washing, those aspects? Um, social skills. Um, when you're told that you can't be within two metres of somebody, your social skills that you normally use to express yourself might be very restricted. So we have some of our learners who actually, one of their big things is they want to do high fives each time they see you, or they want to actually come and have some physical contact with you to express their, their communication and their social skills. Those have gone from us, so we, it, to a certain extent, unless it's in our family um, network. Um, and so we're going to teach aspects of that. Communicating and exploring emotions. Again, we're very blessed that we've been doing this with our community for many years, but we need to still explore those emotions because they're very different emotions now than, than young people have ever felt before. Teaching about sleep hygiene, about the importance of, uh, of sleep in terms of us feeling refreshed and ready for the new challenges of a new day is an aspect that we're teaching the young people about as well. And again, all of these are being shared with families so they can use them in the home as well. Teaching about anxiety. Again, we've, we've done training with staff and pupils in the past about how do we deal with anxiety um, and we have things like scaling for young people and support for them in terms of when when you're feeling like this, what do you need to do? Um, and so we'll be explicitly teaching that again. The mindfulness and calm breathing is, again, something that will be explicitly taught alongside distraction strategies, self-regulation and self-soothing. So those will be those are explicit aspects of our curriculum. And I'm just going to show you an example of how that's set out for our teachers so that they've got a toolbox in which they can go to. Again, they're very experienced, excellent teachers within our, our setting. So I'm not trying to teach them to suck eggs. I'm just saying, you know, you know all of this stuff, but let's put it all in one place to help you. Um, and so we've got, because I'm an all-age school, um, I've got children from the age of 2 to 19 in, in, in the schools that I work in. Um, we've got one set of um, support and guidance for Key Stage 1 and 2 and the other one for 3, 4 and 5. Um, so obviously you'll have these slides so you can look at them in a little bit more detail, but that gives just some ideas as to how you can support the young people that you're working with in order to, um, 
to help them to understand and and have that sort of explicit teaching about what social distancing looks like and hand washing. And there are on the right hand side, there are links and resources. So again, we can use all of the fabulous resources that are out there to actually support the teachers to teach our young people this these aspects. And this is the example for key stage four. So you'll see there's some um, a lot more detail about what coronavirus is on our key stage three, four and five curriculum. Um, um, so that you, you've got links to the World Health Organization there, you've got um, news round clips, you've got a number of things that teach the young person directly. Again, they may have been um, sheltered from that kind of information in their home. Quite frankly, understandably, I used to, at the beginning of this process, watch the news avidly, watch the uh, the daily briefings from, from the government daily, um, and you found yourself being absorbed in it all night long. So I understand that some families might have said, actually, we don't want to watch the news. And so some of the children might not have really heard the facts or the information directly uh, about what the coronavirus is. So it's important for us to give them those skills and give them that experience. So that just gives you an example. And then our safe rules in school are, um, we like an acronym, as you can see with SMILE. Um, so we've <laughs> got um, our safe uh, acronym is about socially distancing, all hand washing, feeling welcome. That's really important for us pupils coming back in feel welcomed that we and and the work that we've done with staff is really important about that because actually if my staff are tense and anxious about children coming in that will children pick up on that immediately won't they so feeling welcomed back having that first point of contact every day having that check-in every day to check how we are feel valued and the emotional care is the other aspect of that so it's really important for us to be able to um, uh, have all of those aspects in, in everything that we do really for for the um, young people so coming to summarize that really in terms of um what I've spoken about this morning is that through the SMILE approach and the delivery of that recovery curriculum, we hope that we'll support those areas that Carpenter and Carpenter talked about, about those, those areas of loss that have been so significant for our community. The, the young people have lost routine, structure, friendship, opportunity and freedom in so many ways and our recovery curriculum um, with SMILE at the, uh, the core of that is designed to be able to support the young people to, to recover from that and to actually regain routines and structures and friendships and, and, and actually within the school community at least at the moment have more freedom than maybe they have when they've been uh, at home and staying at home. Um, so again there are some links on there in terms of the recovery curriculum on evidence for learning website which I would I would highly recommend to you and also there's some information there on the uh, Forest Oak website there's quite a, a lot of information about the SMILE project um, which I hope might give you a little bit more detail about what's what uh, what we've been doing at Forest Oak and latterly at Merstone as well and what the other schools in the project um, have been doing um, that have been really beneficial for our community. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Amanda. That was just a brilliant presentation and gave us such rich insights. It, you really showed how SMILE is an ethos-based approach. It isn't about going out and buying a set of resources. 
It's based on sound aims and values that are child-centered, that are staff-focused, and that value everyone. And I think in one of your final slides, when you look at your safe rules, your point about feeling welcome, I just want to underscore that. I don't think we can tell our children and each other enough, enough that it's really good to see you. It's really good to smile at you again, to just see your eyes again. We need to remind ourselves that we have survived a pandemic. And as of today, 40,000 people in our country have not survived a pandemic. We are the survivors and we need to treasure that in those communities. And you have built a community that will demonstrate that powerfully. You mentioned uh, several times the, the Butterfly Print resources. And I know that Neil Walsh, the director from Butterfly Print, has been a great support to the SMILE project in developing those new resources that are now going to be available. By coincidence, this morning, I had some uh, materials arrive from Butterfly and Neil had sent some vouchers so that people during this time when he knows budgets are going to be very tight can actually get some resources. So if people wanted to look up butterflyprint.co.uk, in fact, there is a code and you can get 10% discount. And the code is MHPOST, MHPOST. Just put that in and you'll be given that discount. In what you've told us about, Amanda, you've powerfully demonstrated the activity of a whole school community with a clear, penetrating focus on the well-being of each other. Whoever you are, by whatever title, you found this uniform wraparound way of nurturing your school communities. You powerfully demonstrate how, in, in the recovery curriculum terms, you can now, post-pandemic, begin to reconnect your pupils and your staff who will naturally be fearful and anxious and returning to two. So reconnect and help them all through the SMILE approach to recovery and to reestablish, to rebuild, to reignite their resilience. Amanda Mori, thank you so much for that podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find more information about the recovery curriculum at www.recoverycurriculum.org. There's links to resources, reference materials, as well as uh, video slide decks. Barry Carpenter's webpage is www.barrycarpentereducation.com. And the homepage for the podcast is www.learningshared.org. You can email us at learningshared at theteachcloud.net or tweet us at underscore learningshared. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And please do get in touch with feedback if you'd like to either suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. Finally, you're welcome to join the conversation via one of our online communities of practice. We've got groups on Facebook and LinkedIn, 
and details are on the recovery curriculum and learning shared web pages. You can search for recovery curriculum as a group inside Facebook. So for now, thanks again for listening. Stay safe and be well.